We're going to be in the Psalms this morning. Psalm 31, verse 19 is kind of the main text that we're going to come back to again and again. And I thought a lot during these three months about what I would preach the first Sunday I was back. Um, I'm so excited to preach. And there were so many moments where I'm like, that's it. That's, that's what I'm going to preach. And then the next minute, I'm like, oh, no, no, this one over here. And, and uh, this is what the Lord really brought to the forefront. And I want to bring that to all of you as, as we spend this time in God's Word this morning. Let me give you a survey of what we experienced these last three months. We started off right out of the gate with 15 days in Israel. For me, that was the highlight. I will never forget our experiences there. We picked the best tour that exists. I would highly recommend him, Dr. John Delancey. If you have any interest in going to Israel, go with this guy. He is incredible. Um, then we came and did uh, two, a two-week mission trip in Uganda together. Um, then on the way back, we were flying through D.C., so we thought, let's, let's plan a week in D.C. and just see everything we can see in one week. And uh, Then we drove down and visited my aunt and uncle in Louisville, and on the way we saw the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter, which if you're anywhere out there, go to the Ark for sure. It's, it's mind-blowing. It, it's just incredible. Very well done. We had time in Grand Rapids with family and in Louisville and Spokane and also in La Grande. This past uh, week, we were camping with my whole family down there. We were able to visit 11 different churches during our time away. And for a pastor, that is such a rare opportunity we had some great experiences and some really awful experiences, which was great. Uh, it was good contrast, and, uh, and we'll be talking more about that in the coming weeks as well. Learn some things maybe that we can do and improve a as a church here, some other things that we can make sure to not do uh, that uh, we experienced at some of these other churches. And I uh, was just impressed about how the Lord works in different people, in different places all around the world to build His church, one church, of which we're a part this morning. Uh, we enjoyed a three-day retreat. Jenny and I, just the two of us, went up to the cottage in Michigan, and we spent three days just being together, reading the Word in the morning, slow, no schedule, and then we talked through every aspect of ministry, reviewed the last 10 years, talked through all kinds of things, and really it was a very fruitful time of assessment and prayer and, and time away together. In all of it, we did not miss any flights. We had 16 different flights that we were on, nor did we lose any bags, uh, nor did anything in those bags get broken, which is a miracle because I brought Jenny's great-grandmother's tea set home in all of our bags, wrapped in bubble wrap. Those airport guys were like, what's in this bag? And I said, well, I have olive wood from Jerusalem, clay from all over Israel, rocks from everywhere, and uh, a tea set. And those guys thought I was, they just go on, buddy, just go on through. <laughs> it was hilarious. No serious injuries or lasting illness. This is real. I mean, God was so gracious to us in a lot of these things. Uh, and the hippo did not eat us. He almost did, but he did not. We were on the Nile River. I'll tell the story tonight, so come back and hear that. But uh, we're grateful to be alive. The theme that the Lord brought out as we journeyed together through these three months was His goodness, the goodness of God. And that's what I want to emphasize here for all of us today. And my approach to this is to consider the past, the present, and His promise. 
His promises as we think about the future. And so, if you would join me in prayer, that's what I'd like to ask for, for help as we journey this morning. Lord, it's so good to be back. I love these people. I love your work here in this place. I love the experiences that you have equipped us with to bless them this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you would use me, that you would point us to you and, and show us more of who you are, more of your greatness, more of your glory. I thank you for your church. And we pray, Lord, that we would uh, be built by you today through your spirit and your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 31 19 is our verse here. Jenny read this verse at the very beginning of our sabbatical, and it just lodged in my soul. I, I had this verse brought to my mind over and over as we journeyed. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. This is the overflow of David's heart. This is in the midst of uh, uh, the context here of Psalm 31 is tremendous adversity and challenge. And in the midst of it all, his soul overflows. You see the word oh? That is the sound of satisfaction in the sovereign. That word oh, the overflow of a satisfied soul. He sees the goodness of God in the midst of the challenges and adversity. And, and uh, he says it's, it's goodness that's abundant. It's great. And then he says you've stored it up for those who fear you. You think of the storehouses that the Lord spoke to Job about. Have you seen where I keep the storehouses of hail and, and snow? Do you know where the wind comes? Like that, only it's goodness stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you. So what I want to do is, is consider the goodness of God in the past, in the present, and in his promise in these different stages that we experienced along the way. So let's start in Israel. I'm going to move quickly through here, uh, but just consider some of these things together. We dropped into Israel. It was an amazing experience. And, and then what happened for me was I have studied my whole life in this book, but, but the stones of this holy land came alive for me. I, I see them now. I, I was seeing stories in the places that they actually took place. Couldn't believe it. I, we, here we are looking over Jerusalem, and here is the Dome of the Rock, which sits on top of uh, the place really where the Holy of Holies would have been in the temple. What's amazing to consider is that the temple was, would have stood in Herod's day twice as tall as the Dome of the Rock. So picture just a towering temple over all of the city. And then here is the, the temple mount that, King, or that Herod the Great built up to flatten the hill so that he could build this massive courts and everything up here. And then here is the corner right here, the southern steps. Uh, you can still see some of the original stones many of the original stones on the Temple Mount. And so I'm having the surreal experience of, of, of looking at this and thinking, this is it. This is where it happened. Just over here is the Garden of Gethsemane and the Valley of Kidron. And all of these stories, these experiences are coming alive. The stones were, were shouting the glory of God. 
here are the southern steps. Uh, Jesus, in his day, would have walked up these actual stones right here. These are actual stones that Jesus would have walked up as he made his way to the temple courts. Amazing. And these stones shouted many things. One of the things they shouted was, the word is true. It's real. You've seen it now with actual tangible rock and stone. We hiked through Hezekiah's tunnel and and landed in the uh, the place where the pool of Siloam was. And I'm, I'm thinking, these are the stones where the man who was born blind, remember that Jesus put the mud on his eyes and said, go wash in this pool and you will see. And then the Pharisees got all upset. He's like, listen, I don't know what to tell you. I'll tell you the story again. This is what he did. He healed me. Draw whatever conclusion you want. That happened right there. Those stones live and they shout the history of the past. These are stones thrown down in 70 AD. The fulfillment of the prophecy of Jesus himself. This will fall. And there they are. They were thrown down. They're still there. Amazing. Now the present, what an amazing experience we had. We had no uh, coordinated plan, really, to be in Jerusalem, in the city, the very day that the U.S. Embassy was moved to Jerusalem, recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, which uh, may not feel as big a deal for us, but what President Trump did there was most significant thing for Israel in a long, long time. The city was celebrating. They were so happy that they were finally recognized to have a capital in Jerusalem. And we were there that, that, uh, that day. While the news portrayed a different scene, there was singing and celebration in Jerusalem. And I was proud to be part of a nation that would, that would honor that. And uh, I'm really glad we got to be there. They were also celebrating 70 years as a nation when we were there. Uh, 70 years of Israel uh, officially formed and gathered, the gathering back of the Jews who had been scattered all over. So many good things taking place. It's a weird existence that Israel has. While we're there, as you saw on the news, um, rockets were fired from Syria into the Golan Heights. We were there two days after the rockets were fired a day after Israel flew a bunch of sorties and pummeled all the Iranian sites in Syria. We were standing looking down with UN inspectors down into Syria. Um, It's tough. They're surrounded by nations that want to push them into the sea. Uh, Surrounded by nations that don't even recognize their existence. And my heart goes out to the, the challenge that that is to live like that. It's hard to know what that's like until you're there and you hear missiles are fired. You have no idea where they're going to land. So that's the political reality, some of the challenges and some of the blessings. But then there's also the spiritual reality. We visited all these different sites. One was uh, the Wailing Wall there. And I was just struck with how this ongoing rejection of the Messiah continues. That partial hardening that that the Lord has set upon the Jews is very tangible and real. Even our guide, uh, not our tour leader, but our Jewish guide, he, he flat out said, we don't, we don't see Jesus as the Messiah. And he, he, according to him, he's like, we don't even need the temple. We're good. We've got the Torah. 
we've got our traditions, we've got our Hebrew, we're okay. And my heart goes out to the, the, the people of God who have rejected his greatest gift in Jesus. And so while we pray for peace in the Middle East, our greatest prayer should be that that peace would come through the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Hmm. Ethan and I put our uh, caps on and we got to go down into the tunnel along the, the Wailing Wall, a very, very special and, and sacred place. And I was amazed that, uh, that they didn't run us out, but our tour leader said, you can go in there, it's okay. And very, very honored to, to see that, but my heart just went out to those who, who miss the very point of the whole temple. It all is about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. What is the promise for the Jews? This is the promise, my friends. A sovereign salvation that will come like lightning from God so sweeping, so sure and certain that Paul says, it, it can be said, all Israel will be saved. All of those who are living will look to Jesus as Savior. Massive revival will break out among the Jewish people when the fullness of time has come. We serve a sovereign God who can save an entire people at His will and in His time. That's the promise. Now, while we wait for that, we reach, right, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We, we long to see Jews and Gentiles saved in Jesus Christ. Hmm. Reminded me of this passage from Isaiah 46. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I declare the, the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. And that includes the massive revival salvation of the Jews in a day ahead. Praise God for that. Hmm. Praise God for His grace in the hardening of their hearts so the fullness of the Gentiles will be brought in. Who are we? We're the grafted, friends. We're, we're the grafted. Praise God for His grace to show us Jesus Christ. Mm. The goodness of God. How great, how abundant is your goodness stored up for those who fear you. We went to Uganda. Uh, the time in between Israel and Uganda for me was awful. I got some kind of just awful flu. I don't know what it was, but I've never been as sick as that. The four or five days we were in Michigan, I was a mess. And uh, the night before we were to fly to Uganda, I told Jenny, I can't do it. I can't fly like this. I, I am falling apart. So we tried to call KLM and postpone our trip. And they said, sure, for 2500 apiece, you can postpone your trip. And I said, I'll be on the plane in the morning. Thank you. <laughs> So we prayed, and the Lord was so good. He sustained us. 36 hours of flying and a lot of delays. And by the time I got to Uganda, I was feeling great. God is so good. And thank you for praying as well. The past for Uganda is tragic. It's a dark past. Brutal dictators, vicious civil wars. Uh, then on the heels of all of this collapse of this of this nation and all of this carnage and, and killing, 
comes the HIV AIDS pandemic and it just swept through. And it took so many lives that there were a, a million orphans wandering around. There have been kids everywhere, literally trying to survive on their own. Severe poverty. The nation fell in on itself, couldn't sustain it. Corruption in the government, hunger everywhere. Even just growing food was difficult because uh, so many people were killed. That is the situation shortly thereafter that, that Jay and Vicki Dangers entered into. Along with Uncle Jones, you got to meet Uncle Jones while we were gone. Praise the Lord for that. And they started what is currently uh, one of the greatest points of light shining in Uganda, New Hope, Uganda. Their goal is to bring the fatherhood of God to the fatherless, and they work night and day to do so. And we have now been partners with them for many, many years. Uh, this was my third trip over to New Hope, Jenny's second and our kids' first. And we were able to go. We got to introduce our kids to our sponsor child, Rebecca, who has just grown and matured in the Lord. The last time we were in uh, Uganda, she was living out in the village with a grandmother who was in horrible health, and she was not safe. She was in a situation that was unstable and unpredictable. She would ride her bike or walk. She would walk before we got her to bike. She would walk two miles to get to school and then two miles home. And uh, so we were able to get her a bike, and then New Hope brought her on, on site. She's a part of David family now, and we loved to be able to spend time with her and sing and celebrate God's goodness in her life um, together as a family. She and Gracie hit it, hit it right off, and then she liked to challenge Ethan on the basketball court, and uh, he gave her a run for her money. Here are some pictures of these kids, just the smiles and the laughter, the giggles to see kids who have food who are cared for and loved, but most importantly, who are introduced to their Father in heaven, the fatherhood of God. Green pastures like this are not common. And it's, it's just simple. You could go over there and plant a nice big green area and soccer happens. They have to schedule their soccer games because they would do it round the clock over there. Uh, but most of the other places we drove through, it was dirt. It was just all dirt. And so here these kids are enjoying the blessings of our partnership in part and uh, many others making uh, a difference in their lives. They have porridge each morning and, and uh, it has good nutrients and things to help them grow healthy. And uh, they're in school learning. The other thing that I have especially kind of had a part in is the Pastor Training Institute. And I'll say more about that tonight. But basically it's New Hope reaching beyond the compound of New Hope and into the villages to train pastors and leaders of churches to take the word and uh, equip them to preach. Had, had a chance to, to be a part of that, and uh, man, what, what an awesome sermon that was. We had church in a chicken coop, and Abby there was one of the uh, graduates of this pastor training institute. That guy preached the word. I just was wanting to say amen in that language. I didn't know how to do it. It was wonderful. What is the promise? Psalm 68, 5. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in His holy habitation. There is something in the heart of God set on display. His goodness is shown in His 
favor and love and care for those who have been marginalized, those who are in situations like this, those without a father. Jesus knows what that's like. Those who are widows and all alone. The Father's heart is there. And how does it show up? In the hands and feet of those who serve and help and love. Another scripture came to mind as I was thinking about the the challenging political situation in Israel. And then we have this experience in Uganda and, and kind of the two together. Think of this. John writes in Revelation 7, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. From where? From Israel? You betcha. From Uganda? Absolutely. From every nation. From all tribes and peoples and languages. From Syria and Iran. From Gaza. Look at what he's doing. A people. His people. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, our Savior Jesus. That is coming. That's the promise. Those are words we will sing in praise with brothers and sisters from every nation, tribe, and tongue. Now our heart needs to beat like that for the nations, doesn't it? The goodness of God. That's the goodness of God. Mm. We are blessed by that as we gather today. We came back to Washington, D.C., and I was so happy to be back in the States. I love being able to see those places, but I love the United States of America. I absolutely love our country. I'm, I'm, I'm a very patriotic guy. And coming home and having a burger was awesome. I mean, it was like the Blue Angels flew over and Lee Greenwood was rocking out as I was biting down on that. Oh, Washington, D.C., I had never spent much time there. And part of our goal as, as homeschool opportunity was to just make the most of this and learn a lot from the past. And we moved from the Chicken Coop Church had a couple days of travel, and the, ne- the next morning, we are touring the White House. We're in the White House on a tour, and I am just struck at the contrast of these things. We go from a very impoverished place, and now we're in one of the places of, of great power in our world. Hmm. We got to see all through the White House. I fell in love all over again with President Lincoln. That man... What an amazing leader. The speeches he gave, the references to the Lord and His Word, the way he led boldly through one of the most difficult times our nation has ever faced. It's just inspired by that. So proud to stand with the abolitionists and the end of slavery, right? What, what amazing history. The Word, the work. A rich past. Far more than you might think if you listen only to the voices of this day. Just read what they wrote. References everywhere to the Lord and and His Word and and the, the call to follow, to trust and obey. The present, the freedoms that we have are a grace of God 
They are a display of his goodness. Don't ever take them for granted. And I would add, participate in protecting them. Participate in preserving them. Participate in shaping them. Young people, please, vote. Get, get registered and vote. We're, we're voting right now, right? Absentee ballots, we got those. They're in the mail. We've, please do that. Christians, more than ever, need to be a part of the process. I was struck as we walked through the halls of Capitol Hill and, and the offices and all of these things we need godly leaders. We need to, to have people hearing our voice, not in a militant, angry, corrupt way, but in a, a bold, faithful, firm, and, and loving way. Let's stand out. Let's vote. Let's shape. Let's, let's stay in. There are many in our country who would work night and day to see the things that we value and treasure completely thrown away. We came out of Capitol Hill Baptist Church where Mark Dever preaches. We got to visit that church and we came off of Capitol Hill and we were walking down. It was really hot that day and the bus wasn't running. We couldn't figure out why until we wandered into this, this enormous crowd. And I'm trying to find our way through it. We're trying to find an air-conditioned uh, museum. That's, that was uh, in, in, in that order. Anywhere air-conditioned, but especially a museum, that'd be nice. And we're stuck in this huge crowd, and then there's a concert, and then it's chaos, and there's just people everywhere. And I realized what we had stumbled into. It was, on the mall, a gay pride celebration. And there were very few police around, and here we are walking with uh, Nana and Papa, Jenny's parents, who came with us, and our two kids, and and I'm leading the way, like, okay, uh, how do we, I didn't know where to, where to go. And my first thing was, Lord, please protect my children from seeing anything obscene. Uh, these gatherings, they can go that direction, and, and clothes can come off and other things. So I'm saying, Lord, please help people to keep all their clothes on. And, <laughs> and, and then I moved from that because, thankfully, that prayer was answered. We're kind of weaving our way through. Someone's throwing glitter on us, and like, and I'm like, ah, this is just. So then all of a sudden, I just felt like a light. It was a very interesting experience. I felt like a light in a dark place. I felt the shine of the gospel and the spirit of God in me. I just, I just wanted people to see light. And then my heart broke. And I began to move into a love for lost people whose eyes are blinded. They think they celebrate freedom and they celebrate slavery to sin, rejection of life and hope and joy, satisfaction. And so I started to pray. As we're walking through this crowd, I'm just like, Lord, help these people see Jesus. Help them see Jesus and embrace true life and freedom. I'm grateful for getting lost in that crowd. God really turned it into a moment on our sabbatical that we talked about and really grew from. We want to be the kind of church where the doors are open to all. Everybody's welcome here. You come. 
It doesn't matter what your sin is, what your past is, what your challenges or struggle. You come and you come here and hear about Jesus, hear about freedom. Come and be healed. Come, this is a hospital for sick people to come and learn and grow and be saved. Let's work to that end. The present reality is challenging. And we are right in the middle at this moment for this purpose. Let's make the most of it. Now the promise, as we go through D.C., I was just thinking about this verse again, just the, bu- the, the, the goodness and the abundance of God, His, His, His stored-up goodness. But who's it for? For those who fear Him. You see that? that there's a qualifier. It's not just for everybody indistinguished. There is a common grace that He puts upon, upon all. Right, The rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. But in His special grace, this storing up of goodness is set and stored up for those who fear Him. Walk in His way. I was reminded of Romans chapter 1, how there's another kind of storing up for those who don't. For those who reject Him. Rebel against Him. And, and, and depart from the, the creation of of, of His gifting and goodness and gender and, and call for what marriage is and what sexuality is to be, there's a different kind of storing up. It's a storing up of wrath. This is the promise of God. This is His goodness, His grace that calls us, come, store up goodness, not wrath. And so we stand in a day that is totally confused with clarity and love and truth. Don't compromise on these issues, friends. They are clear in Scripture. And love would do no less than to take a stand and speak up. The goodness of God. Hmm. I was thinking about our family experience as it relates to these things. One of the things we got to do for the first time, really for me, was to go to Spokane and... uh, and kind of recount the goodness of God. We visited uh, the gravestone of my grandma and grandpa, my mom's parents. I wasn't able to be there when my grandma was, uh, had passed away. I was out of town, and, and uh, she was buried here beside my grandfather, and so we went. None of these kids are old enough, really, to remember this. And so what we did is we stood over the gravestone, and we had my mom over the phone tell stories of God's grace. And there we were. We're standing there, and I'm, I'm just thinking... Praise God for the rich heritage that these kids have. May they learn from this example. May it shape them and and grow them. What a gift it was. And then maybe coming this side a little more, we we got to spend time with Jenny's grandparents uh, who are in their 90s now and close to the water. Her grandfather was roommates with Jim Elliott at Wheaton. And... uh, had his life drastically shaped by that experience of Jim Elliott, went into missions and they gave their lives to the Lord and, and, and their, their days really were served on the mission field. And they're fading. His mind comes and goes. But Jen's dad asked him to pray, close in prayer. And what went from kind of a floating became sharp. And he sat up. And he prayed with passion and fire. And then when he finished his prayer, he was, he was back. I'm just thinking what a heritage that is. 
What an amazing grace of God's goodness it is. We were there for Jenny and uh, Jenny's parents as they celebrated their 40th wedding anniversary, able to say, tell us some stories. How has God sustained? What is He doing? And, and what was it like when you met? We got to hear some of those things, looking to the past, claiming the goodness of God in all of those events. You come to the present and think about uh, a sermon my dad preached here called uh, Rock of Agers. He preached from this passage, Psalm 71, 18. Even to my old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. And so we were purposeful as we got together, and by God's grace, His, his Son is, is loved by all in the circle. And we were able to sit and uh, sit around the campfire and be together, and then I, I thought of some questions that would really help my dad and my mom to share about their walk with the Lord. Dad, tell us what it was like to be 12 years old when God saved you. Build that out for us. And one night he, he told for two hours straight, told how the Lord grew his faith and, and shaped him and brought him into ministry. I had never heard that story. Looking to the past to equip the present with the goodness of God, to walk in his way. The promise, trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him, for God is a refuge. He is a refuge for us. Here's the reality. My parents are now almost in their 70s. We don't know what the coming years will entail and what they'll look like, but I know this, and I know this for all of you. God is a refuge. He is a refuge. He's a stronghold, a fortress, a rock. He is the rock of agers. That is our promise. And then we come back to Good Shepherd. I, I will uh, just say, visiting churches is wonderful, but there is no place like home. There is no place like home. We are home here. We have family all over the place. This is home for us. We love what God is doing right here in this room. We are so grateful for the gift of His grace it was 10 years ago today that I preached my first full-time sermon at this church. We arrived, see, Ethan was five, Gracie was two. Ten years of God's goodness and grace. There have been really, really amazing times. And there have been equally really, really devastating and challenging times. Every step along the way, sustained by His goodness, brought through. I'm telling you this, if it wasn't for His goodness and grace sustained, I would have caved. I would have folded it up. He held on to us when we didn't have the strength to hold. It's His goodness. And in part, I think one of the reasons we're experiencing a blessing of God in the present is because of His goodness to us in the past. He, we're in a special season right now. I was just thinking about what it's like to look around to see all these faces. I'm so grateful for God's work in you. When I think of Good Shepherd, think of this right here. That's His church. His church. What about the promise? The promise is, as we're 10 years in here of, of my ministry, 
This church belongs to Jesus Christ. This is his, his bride, his church. This is his doing. He's working. We're all part of this. And he is the builder of his church. And as we stood outside of the, 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 the temple there at Caesarea Philippi, where Jesus spoke those words, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. With confidence in the promise of God. Come what may, he builds his church. He is building a beautiful temple, one person at a time. A temple that would make Herod's temple look like child's play. This is what the temple was all about. The temple that was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ and built through the proclamation of His salvation. So our response this morning, I just want to call us to this practice. I, I was just struck by how simple it is. It's just, it's so simple. Maybe get a notepad out and, and say, Lord, as I look to the past, how, how have you shown your goodness? This would be a great thing to do for your children and your grandchildren. Write down some little cues, maybe some things that you can share of God's goodness to shape your story. The way that God showed up in this situation to protect the way he showed up in this situation to provide. I gave the kids a, a homework assignment when we got home. Write down all of the ways God showed his goodness. They came up with 68 from just the past three months. And in the present, Lord, how are you showing your goodness? What, what is it that you're doing right now to sustain, to empower, to strengthen, to uphold, to use us for your glory? And then the promise. What promises do we cling to that display the goodness of God? Every day, every day we do this. Here's one. A future and a present. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation, oh, may it be true here. May it be true here. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. Do that this week. Do that this week. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame, you see that? The fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Let's pray. Father, we, we call out this greatness, this glory, this, this goodness that you have accomplished for us. We love you, Lord. We don't deserve this lavish love, this gift that you've given. We thank you for opening our eyes to see Jesus Christ, for, for making us your adopted children, and then bringing us into this family of of, of community that we can share together, this love, this joy, this life. We thank you for all the many blessings, past, the present, and the promise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.